My name is Michael Markarian, and my family business is a packaging company that serves top brands all over the world. There's no debate that some packaging is harming nature and polluting our cities, and something needs to change. My goal is to show you that sustainable options exist and how you can implement them right now. This is the Sustainable Packaging Show. And welcome back to the Sustainable Packaging Show. In today's show, we're going to talk about New York and Vermont. We're going to compare their sustainable packaging laws and tell you which one is better, which one is smarter, and which one is the true trailblazer. All right, we're going to compare them right now. And I think we've talked about the mission on this show to make sustainable packaging the norm, to create this world that we all want to see happen where sustainable packaging is everywhere. It's going to take thousands of us, and it's going to take minds like those in New York and Vermont, those regulators and the people that are helping to influence those regulators. You guys are all amazing. I just want to start by saying that. You guys are are taking the steps that all the people of this country and, frankly, of the world, but we'll talk about the U.S. cannabis industry, that we all want to see happen, and we appreciate that. We appreciate that you are listening to what we want to see happen and bringing it forth into the world. So... I broke out a couple different categories. I think this is going to be an amazing show. I hope this brings a lot of education. I hope you guys enjoy this episode. And I think, just as a final comment before we begin, I think New York and New and New Jersey. New Jersey's actually got their own plastic bag ban, but we're talking about New York and Vermont. I think they have these laws in the cannabis industry that could begin to move something forth that I've thought all along that the cannabis industry can be the industry that really uh, catalyzes the sustainable packaging movement worldwide because there's such a spotlight on the cannabis industry that this really could have great impacts. If we're going to talk about these these laws that are happening in Vermont and think about if an entrepreneur is going out skiing in Vermont who's uh, located in New Hampshire or located in Massachusetts, they go out skiing in Vermont and they see this super sustainable packaging on a cannabis product they buy. And then they go, hey, that would work good for my electronics company. Hey, that would work good for my soap or shampoo company. I think that's going to start happening, guys. We got we to gotta see. I can see it because I do this for a living. I can see this happening before us. So if you're getting down that there's not enough things happening in sustainability, stay tuned and keep your mind on the facts, which are that great things are happening, okay? So here are the categories that I that I broke out. New York and Vermont. Feasibility for operators. Uh, you know, is, is, there, is this pie in the sky stuff or can it really be implemented? Pushing the envelope. Exit packaging requirement. Clarity. Thoughtfulness. Outside the box thinking welcomed and allowing for reusability. All right, so we're going to compare the two. We're going to sort of uh, rank them. It's like, uh, what do they say? Who who wore it better? All righty, so here we go. First category, feasibility for operators. And by the way, as I'm going through this, I'm utilizing, I created a guide to New York sustainable packaging. You can download that, wow, W-O-W at contempopackaging.com. You can get it on our website too, but just email Wow, packaging.com. I'm going to reference that. Then I'm also referencing an internal email I sent to the company about the Vermont regs. I, I can send that to you as well. Email wowatcontemplopackaging.com. All right, so feasibility for operators. I think both states, New York and Vermont, are both being very thoughtful 
in how they go about this. I'm going to give the slight edge to New York, but kudos to both states. So sometimes sustainable packaging, the concern is that the the requirements are going to be so impossible for the operators to follow that they say, like, we're, we're afraid that, that these regulators are not going to know what they're doing and they're going to create a standard that we can't meet. So both states have done a really good job of this. In the state of New York, They've they've talked about a lot of different things in their in their um, in their proposed regulations. However, the only thing that is set in stone is a twenty five percent recycled post consumer recycled requirement that starts in twenty twenty four. So they're giving a ramp up period to their operators. And in the state of Vermont, where they're a bit more strict or or definitely more strict. And I don't say that in a negative way in general, I'm just going to read this because we've done past episodes also on the state of New York. We haven't done one on Vermont. So I'm going to kind of educate on what's going on in Vermont in this episode as well. So I'm going to read from uh, the packaging materials guidance in general packaging that is intended for consumer purchase at a retail location shall be reusable with a star. They define that and shall not be plastic. They draw, they do a star and the, and they define that. The key with that star is that bioplastics, all bioresins, are not allowed in the state of Vermont. So check out one of the episodes, it's maybe five episodes ago, where I talk about all the different types of sustainable plastics, and we talk about how some bioresins are bad and some are really good, and how maybe there's some nuance that the state of Vermont could take. They could look into there and say, hey, certain ones are positive, certain ones are not positive. Let's support the positive ones and let's not support, continue to not support the ones that are less uh, less positive. Examples of reusable non-plastic packaging materials include glass, tin, cardboard, and bamboo. Consumer packaging for cannabis much, must be uh, child deterrent. So here's the deal. I think both, and then the last thing is, as, as far as feasibility for operators that I should mention is there is a waiver that they've allowed for the Vermont operators if they can't find a non-plastic packaging solution, they can file a waiver and then they can get permission to use a certain package for a set period of time. And once one company gets that waiver, then all companies can use those same packaging solutions. So feasibility for operators, I'm going to rank both of them very high because Vermont, while they have this high standard, they're also giving this waiver, which I think is really smart not to cripple operators, but I'll give the slight edge to New York because I think they're giving a full year grace period for people to get up to speed, and that 25% PCR barrier is something that operators will definitely be able to do. But but no criticism to Vermont there either. They're being very smart in the way that they're going about it. Number two, pushing the envelope. I'm going to give this one to the state of Vermont. So New York is, is doing a lot of great things um, in their requirements. The 25% PCR requirement is the only thing that is set in stone to go live. To my understanding, again, I'm not an attorney. Read the laws, whatever the legal disclaimer is. Read the laws on your own. Um, but as of as of the guidance documents in December, so it's there's sort of two things as I understand it. There's the guidance documents which talk about what operators should really look at as these laws are being drafted, and then there's proposed regulations which talk in much greater detail. This guide was based on the proposed regulations from November 21st, but there's also guidance documents that were put in place in December of 2022. All right. It's a lot, but I want to give you guys the facts. So sustainable packaging, um, in, in the, in the proposed regulations, New York talks about reuse strategies. They talk about uh, the use of non-plastic compostable or recycling materials. And they talk about this 25% 
PCR requirements. So they are still allowing a world with plastic packaging. Whereas Vermont, I give them the edge as far as pushing the envelope because they're the first state saying no plastic, no plastic. And if you need plastic, you need to fill out a waiver to get permission to use it because I want it to be feasible for operators, but no plastic. So pushing the envelope, Vermont, you get the checkbox there. Exit packaging requirement. Both states, I think, did a great job. To my understanding, there's no exit package required. Um, exit packaging is optional. I think that's a, a great criticism that people have. Sometimes you want that bag because you're you're carrying your products across town or in, in a state like New York. You might want that bag for certain cases. But if you just buy a pre-roll and it needs to come in a, a big plastic exit packaging, that's really wasteful. So a lot of states require the exit package. Neither of these states are requiring it, to my understanding. I know it's optional in New York and I would be 99.9% confident it's optional in Vermont as well, um, just based on everything I've seen. But I haven't seen it explicitly said exit packaging is optional. I think this is also an example of how being first sometimes has its limitations. I think other states that came before New York and Vermont had to have the CR uh, exit bag requirement because a lot of the packaging was the primary packaging wasn't CR at the time. I remember when California went adult use, there was a rush and people were saying like, we can't get CR packaging for vapes. We There's there's not enough options. And now there's so many CR packaging boxes, thanks largely to Contempo Specialty Packaging, the greatest innovator of child-resistant packaging that's beautiful in the cannabis industry. It could be a biased opinion, but I don't think so. Okay. So we've developed all these things, but when we started in the cannabis industry in 2017, there were so few options. Now these states that are coming online later can say, hey, exit packaging, it's optional. Why? Because there's an abundance of options that are child resistant that are available for the marketplace. So that's just a little example of how sometimes being first, it's good, but it's not always, not always best, to be honest. Clarity is the next, is the next topic. Who's, Who's clear in their expectations? In sustainability, sometimes we use words like, it needs to be eco-friendly, it needs to be environmentally friendly, these vague terms, and we use the vague terms, frankly, if we're being honest, because we're all trying to define what is sustainable, what does this even mean? I like to be honest, I like to put the chips on the table, then we can talk about where we're at instead of pretending we live in a world that we don't really live in. So that's why there's a lack of clarity. I give the... uh, the, the direction or the, the check mark in this one to the state of New York. Very, very clear. It's very black and white. Your packaging needs to have 25% PCR in it, period. It's, it's very, very defined how they define sustainable. In the proposed regulations, they start to talk about reuse strategies and things that are a little bit more broad, which we're going to get into in a minute. But I give the, the hat tip to the state of New York. The state of Vermont is also very precise in their thinking. The one thing that I feel could use improvement, although it's a positive in a way as well, is the use of child deterrent. So this term child deterrent, child resistance is a standard set by the Poison Prevention Control Act. It is a standard that you can look at in the U.S. laws that defines child resistant, whereas child deterrent um, the state of Vermont sort of has has created this term for their flower and pre-roll packaging, and who really is to decide whether or not something is child deterrent? I think that's a little bit unclear, but I like the thinking, as we're going to get into 
in the next topic. But child deterrent, for packaging to be child deterrent, and they know this. I mean, they even say it directly in their uh, in their document titled Packaging Cannabis Versus Cannabis Products. Child deterrent, for packaging to be child deterred, it must be tear-resistant and difficult enough to open that it would discourage a child under five from accessing the contents. Child deterrent. That is subjective. Child resistance, this is a federally defined term. So these people in Vermont know what they're talking about, but I still think there's a little bit of vagueness there. What is child deterrent? How does an operator determine whether or not something's child deterrent? They can determine whether it's child resistant. It passed this test. It passed this test where 50 kids try to get in for such and such amount of time. There's a set standard. Okay? I also like they say in this document, child resistant is not child proof. Some children may be able to open child-resistant packaging. Always lock up your packaging. That's the state of Vermont. So, really good stuff here, guys. Hope you're enjoying the show. Thoughtfulness. We're going to give that one to the state of Vermont. Not that the state of New York is not being thoughtful. I think both states, honestly, are doing great in all these areas. Both states are doing great in all these areas. And I'm not just being super positive. Oh, I'm trying to sound great and just be positive. No, if I saw something I didn't like, I would say it. Because my goal is to make sustainable packaging the norm. It's not to, you know, kiss, uh, whatever you want to call it. Okay? So, I'll say something if I don't like it. However, I think both states are being thoughtful. Vermont, I'm going to give the hat tip there. Why? Or we're going to slightly go in Vermont's favor. Because I really like what they just wrote there in that document. I really like that they're saying child-proof. The fact that they put that in there. This is not childproof, it's child resistant. Still lock up your cannabis goods. I think that's the kind of mindset. That nuance is really important to be sharing. I appreciate them putting that in there. I also appreciate child deterrent, I said was a little bit of a negative because it was vague, but I like the thinking. I like the fact that they're saying, hey, let's let's think about the state of Michigan, who I think was the first to do this. I could be wrong on this, but I know it's the case in the state of Michigan. If you're looking for sustainable packaging in the cannabis industry, email wow at contempopackaging.com. Flour and pre-rolls, do those need to be in CR packaging? Do they really, you know, what's the risk? What's the risk? Is a kid going to chew on flour or eat a pre-roll? And is that really, is that really what we're concerned about? Or are we concerned more about edibles? Are we concerned with some of these other cannabis formats? That's thoughtfulness. And I'm not saying one way or the other. I don't I don't want to be the one to make that decision. But I think that's a real conversation that needs to happen. The fact that they're saying child deterrent is acceptable on flour and pre-rolls, which child deterrent can probably be a little bit less packaging materials, right? Because sometimes to make CR packaging, you need to have more, have more plastic or have more to the package. Although Contempo Specialty Packaging tries to make super sustainable and does successfully make super sustainable packaging that is also child-resistant and sustainable. Like our Lockington. If you want to see our Lockington, email wowwww.contempopackaging.com. All metal, no plastic, infinitely recyclable, child-resistant, certified, great for pre-rolls, great for gummies. These are just little commercial breaks that we, that we like to weave in here, okay? So... Um, I love the thoughtfulness of that to, to think of the idea of child deterrent, although in the last category I said it's a little unclear, so that would be the only negative there. Outside the box thinking welcomed, 
I'm going to give the, the, the hat tip here to the state of New York where they welcome bioresins. They welcome bioresins, whereas the state of Vermont says all plastic. So plastic they define as, this is Vermont, plastic means a synthetic material made from linking monomers through a chemical reaction to create a polymer chain. Somebody very smart wrote this. That can be molded or extruded at high heat into various solid forms that retain their defined shapes through the life cycle and after disposal, including material derived from either petroleum or a biologically based polymer such as corn or other plant sources. Now, as I said before, go to that episode. Go to that episode where we talk about sustainable plastics, your material choices, plastics. How do we make plastics more sustainable? There are some bioresins that are complete greenwashing and not good for the planet. There are others that have a lot of merit. So I like the idea that the state of New York is open to using bioresins. You might say, but PLA, it's only industrial compostable and people don't have access to industrial composting. Well, then we don't need to include PLA. Or you could say, um, or you could say well, I don't like bioresins that mix virgin plastic with a plant material that's greenwashing it's misleading and i would say i understand that perspective but as i say don't throw the baby out with the bathwater to to say no bioresins have merit especially with all the innovations happening in the area of sustainable packaging the state of vermont could be pigeonholing themselves slightly now perhaps they've thought this through and have weighed the pros and cons or perhaps they should reconsider this okay the last one is allowing for reusable packaging. Both states allow for reusable packaging. The state of Vermont uh, talks about uh, reusable as one of their options, and so does the state of New York. The one thing that I was thinking about as I, as I was preparing for this episode, we need to think about how do we verify the integrity of the child-resistant packaging in a reuse model? So what I thought one possible solution to this would be the same way Vermont says child deterrent packaging is allowed for flour and pre-rolls, maybe we should do the same thing for reuse models. That reuse models are available for flour and pre-rolls, two of the biggest categories anyways, volume-wise. But we don't get into reuse packaging with gummies uh, because I know these child-resistant closures can break down over time. And we need to look at risk-reward, right? If we say no reusable, then there's more waste in the environment. But if we say everything's reusable, you could have a weak CR package with a gummy and it could eat, it could eat a pack of gummies and that's not a risk that I'm willing to take. So think about that everyone. Reusable packaging only on flour and pre-rolls. Could that be a viable option for us all to consider? A few more thoughts before we wrap this episode up. I want to go back to that point where I was talking about outside the box thinking in Vermont. Again, perhaps the state of Vermont, due to their cold temperatures, maybe home composting is not as readily done or readily feasible, so they've determined these bioresins are not good, so maybe based on the climate, they've made that decision, although the climate's similar to New York. So perhaps they have reasons for saying no bioplastics. However, I think if there's a, a home compostable option, that is, I think the innovation might outpace that problem eventually. So that's the reason I say I think that should be reconsidered. All right, so who wore it better? 
Who did better? Who's better? We we like to ask that question. And my perspective is we don't need to be thinking about better progress, not perfection, right? I gave you a few things where I thought one state was better than the next, but I think we should celebrate the progress and say thank you to everyone involved, not just the regulators, not just the government officials, although thank you to them too, who are considering this stuff, but all the people who influence those regulators. Um, I know a lot of them, they, they give the intel of what the industry is looking for. These are these are great hardworking people that deserve appreciation. And just like the Poison Prevention Control Act, we talked about how there's a there's a federal definition, there's a legal definition for child resistant packaging based on it's called the PPPA, Poison Prevention Control Act. PPPA. I believe it's PPPA. Man, it's been a little while since I've looked this up, but it doesn't sound like that wasn't Three Ps, Poison Prevention Packaging Act. Okay, so yes, it is PPPA. So there's a definition. Why can't that be the state? Why can't Vermont, and and the point is different state regs cite the PPPA. Why can't other states coming on board cite the regulations in a state like Vermont or New York? So I want to give encouragement to the people that are working on this. You could be setting a gold standard. You could be influencing the whole country. You could be influencing the whole world with the work that you're doing in your state. So keep up the good work. Um, I want to share one last idea. And this last idea is based on some things that people have said to me. I thought about this idea years ago. And now two people in totally unique circumstances have said, Mike, what about this idea? I say, I, you know, I don't want to bring it up, but. But I think this could be a great idea. I think this idea could be groundbreaking, but I don't want to say anything. I say, why don't you want to say anything? You, you should be free to communicate your ideas. Say, I don't want to say anything. I don't want to rock the boat. So I'm going to say it here. What if there was a tax incentive for sustainable packaging? What if we gave a small tax credit? I mean, the cannabis industry is producing billions of dollars in tax revenues. Why wouldn't the states be open to a small tax incentive for people using sustainable packaging, for people that are making the investment, because we know that's a hurdle. And I think the obvious answer is, people, you know, governments aren't going to want to give up their tax revenues, blah, blah, blah. But I think there's some people that are very thoughtful that actually care about the planet that might think about this differently. So hear me out on this. Here's my idea. Maybe it's five to 25 cents back when you use a sustainable package. And in the state of New York, uh, as you know, if you've read the Guide to Sustainable Packaging brought to you by Contempo Specialty Packaging, you can get that guide for free by emailing wow at contempopackaging.com. There is a reporting requirement. I'm going to read it quickly. A licensee who packages cannabis, this is New York, based on the rules and regulations of the proposed regs, November 21st. A licensee who packages cannabis products for retail sales shall annually report to the office key metrics, including but not limited to the total amount by weight of packaging material sold. I'm going to paraphrase a little bit. The total number of cannabis products sold in reusable packages, the total cost of packaging material, and any other information set up by the office. These are just the proposed regs. But assuming that goes into place, uh, why can't we have that reporting define some sort of tax credit? And here's my aha moment for everyone you could tailor the incentives based on the infrastructure. I'm going to say that again. Tailoring the incentives based on the infrastructure. The cannabis industry is also very unique because it's statewide. Picture if you're selling, a, a, if, if Sephora or if um, 
Conair is selling products globally. We know this. Um, we work with Conair. If Conair is selling products globally, it's hard to tailor the packaging to the end of life. You sort of have to take this broad stroke approach because these products are going all over the world. You have no idea what the infrastructure is going to look like based on where the product is sold. However, in the cannabis industry, it's state specific. You could tailor these incentives. Please, somebody do this. I I think this really can work powerfully. You can tailor these tax credits to the infrastructure. So in the state of Vermont, if they don't have industrial compostability, they would give a $0 tax credit for industrial compostable packaging. And you could do this, I think, by you create a little grid. You could say the material, and you could say the amount of weight of that material, um, the the weight of the packaging sold, and you could give a tax credit per pound of material or per ton of material that is of the desired ones that have the best matching of the end of life with the infrastructure. So in the state of Vermont, there's no industrial composting. Let's say that's accurate. I don't know that to be true, but let's say it is. You would give a zero dollar um, $0 incentive. If in the state of California, there's industrial composting everywhere, then you would give maybe a higher incentive because you're matching, you're tailoring the infrastructure and the incentive. Okay. Tailor the incentive to the infrastructure. I think this could be so powerful. I think we have to think outside the box. I think we have to think confidently. I think we have to think passionately that these problems are solvable. They are solvable. They're 100% solvable, but we got to take action. We can't be afraid to communicate ideas that we think are good for the planet. That kind of thinking, I can promise you, will take us nowhere. So think outside the box. Thanks to both these states. And thanks for tuning in to the Sustainable Packaging Show. Check out that episode if you haven't already, where we talk about sustainable plastics. I think it's an eye-opener. And until next time, thanks for watching. Be blessed and have a wonderful day. Thanks for tuning in to the Sustainable Packaging Show. The time for greenwashing is over. If you got value from this episode, please leave us a comment and give us five stars. It's going to help us get the word out about the podcast. And that's a key part of making sustainable packaging the norm, right? That's our mission, making sustainable packaging the norm. we got to get the word out for that to happen. So give us five stars. It helps with the mission. We'll see you next week. Have a wonderful day, a wonderful week. And thanks for supporting the show.